Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Bible Week. We were at um, Without Borders 16 Newark Showground uh, just two weeks ago now. And um, what I'd like to do this morning is, um, is just kind of review the, the key messages that came through that week, because if you were there, it's always good to hear them again. And if you weren't, then it's good to hear what God is saying to us as a group of churches, as a family of churches at the moment. So that's what I'd like to, to do this morning. And it was a great week. If you were there, can you give me a wave? So a good proportion. So you can, you can check that I'm being truthful and honest. I'm not just making stuff up. Uh, if you weren't there, can you give me a wave? I'm just doing this because it's a bit warm up the front. So. <laughs> the theme of the week was kingdom established. And uh, it was all about the establishing of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's royal reign and rule, his rightful, righteous reign and rule being established in the earth. So it's a great theme for us to consider together. And um, the message that I shared on the Sunday evening, I'm going to sort of tie in all the other messages with what I shared, because there was so much of a, a linking together of what God was saying to us as churches at, uh, at Bible Week, at, Min- at Ministries of the Border 16. So if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Micah 4, please. I said please twice. I think that's because I'm asking you to look up a minor prophet, so just giving you a little bit of extra time by throwing in an extra please. Micah 4. This verse, or these verses, I should say, uh, really, well, this verse and another, and another chapter of Ezekiel 37 sort of framed the week in many ways of what God was saying to us. And Micah 4, verses 1 to 3, and this, these verses are, are pretty much echoed word for word in Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 4. And Micah and Isaiah were peers, they, they were prophets. They prophesied around a similar time, about 750, 740 BC. Okay? And these, these guys are prophesying about something that is yet to come, that's centuries away. And yet they've seen something. And we are so blessed to live in a time where the fulfillment of these prophetic words are coming to pass. I'm, I'm pleased about it anyway. And Micah 4 Verses 1 to 3 from the New American Standard Version. And I think it's up on the back there as well. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief or the highest of the mountains. It will be raised up above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. This is a prophetic picture, a prophetic description of restoration. 
Because what is being described here is the establishing of the kingdom of God in the earth. And the house that rests on this mountain is the church. And as this mountain is becoming more and more established, what's happening to it? It's getting bigger. It's getting higher. It's becoming the chief mountain. It echoes back to a prophetic word. Or in fact, later on, Daniel has a prophetic word about a rock that's not cut by human hands that strikes the foot of a statue that represented the great empires of the time and became a mighty mountain that filled the earth. What's he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God coming through the introduction of Jesus Christ. Because when King Jesus arrived, his kingdom began to be reestablished in the earth. And Micah is prophesying about a mountain, the mountain of the house of the Lord. You know, it's so important that we understand what the Bible has to say about us. So important. Because we live in a world that is shaking. Lots of things are shaking in the world at the moment. Has anybody noticed that? Yeah. I mean, things have always been shaky, but it seems at the moment there's like, it's being ramped up, the amount of shaking that's going on. And there are two big issues of our time. That is our identity, who we are, who a person really is, what defines who they are, their identity. And their identity, they're kind of searching for it in lots of different things, lots of different ways, whether it's their interests and what they love. And, and you have these subcultures of people who, who ha- share the same love of music or fashion or a certain era in history, and they gather together around it and they find their identity in that. But what happens if what you like changes? Your identity shifts and, and moves, and the people that you were secure with are no longer your people anymore. Around sexuality, is people are finding a definition in their sexuality. And we're not to find our identity in that. There's something far more important, far more significant than our sexual orientation. About all sorts of different things, people are looking and, and, and questioning who they are. And the other big issue about it is security. And this sense of, who can I trust anymore? What can I put my trust in? I put some newspaper articles up um, these are just from the last six months, I think. Um, these aren't all papers that I read, by the way. Just want to point that out. <laughs> I got offered, at the BP garage, you get offered a free sun every time you put petrol in. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, but, you know, there's people have, have invested their finances expecting to be paid out towards the end of their life and finding that pension funds are crashing. There's a, a shaking that's going on there. This whole issue around immigration and what's happening in different parts of the world no longer is kind of what's happening in Syria just stays in Syria. The movement of people around the world, which has always been part of things, but it's causing people to feel insecure, rightly or wrongly. There's, there's things like Zika and Ebola that people are worried about. What the next great big disease or virus that's going to hit the world? The next one, please. Doctors are striking. The people that we thought we could trust and and. and whether you support them or not, these people that you kind of rely on are saying, I'm not going to be working. You can't, you can't rely on me for the next 24 hours or the next 48 hours. Anybody recognize that guy in the middle? <laughs> there was a point where people were thinking maybe it was going to be Boris and Donald in charge. I mean, how shaky is that? And then what we have now is, it, you know what? It seemed like in just a moment... David Cameron's term in office came to an end, didn't it? 
And, you know, the, this, this, this man who had seemed so secure in his job in lots of different ways made a decision to run something, to run the referendum, and immediately things changed. And within a very short space of time, we've got Theresa May. The shifting, people don't know who to look to anymore as their leaders. And the next one, you've got terrorism. That's, and, and it seems like every incident now, they have to say, this wasn't a terrorist act. You know, somebody burnt their fingers making porridge, and it wasn't an act of terrorism, police say, you know. But it's because there's an insecurity in the world. And coups and, and, and military action, and all the world is shaking. But the, what the Bible tells us, that's exactly what's going to happen. In fact, we've sung it this morning. The earth will shake and tremble. In Hebrews 12, it clearly tells us that God is shaking the heavens and the earth. God is doing the shaking. Why? Is he having fun with us? Is he, is it, does he get a kick out of it? No. He's showing us what we can trust. He's showing us who we are and where we belong and where our security lies. It's in him. It's in Jesus and his kingdom. And any source of other security will shake and crumble and will not last. And in the, in, the, in the messages that came, this was clear that this established kingdom is where this house of God, the church, is, is founded and built, and that's where we are. That's where we belong, and we need to stand firm in who we are. Can you put the next slide up, please? We've got it. This is where we belong, on the mountain. It looks a bit scary there, doesn't it? That's actually Simon Rowland on his last little walking trip last weekend. <laughs> But there's something, isn't it, about being up, about being elevated. And, and, and Simon brought the verse this morning from Romans about who we are in Christ and that we've been, been glorified with him. That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ Jesus. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 1 says, look and see where Jesus is and realize that's where your life is, seated with him in heavenly places. That's part of that glorification that we've been saved and redeemed not because of anything I've done or you've done, but what he's done. We've put our faith and our trust in Jesus and he's elevated us to be placed and seated with him in glory where our real life is, it says in Colossians 3. And that's why we need to be a people that stand firm. So you put that first slide up. So Micah 4 verse 1, it said, and it will come out in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. The mountain of the house. I always thought that was quite a funny way around to describe it. It's not the house of the mountain. It's the mountain of the house. And it's the mountain that matters most. It's the kingdom of God that is most important. The church is not the be-all and end-all. The church is the means of God displaying his glory to the heavenly realms. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> But the church is founded and an agent of the kingdom of God. It's here to extend and establish the kingdom of God in the earth and the heavens. And so where we are as the church, as the people of God, is we're on the mountain of the Lord. It's all about the mountain. There was a, a group of people in the Bible called the Edomites. And they lived in the mountain country of Petra. Has anybody seen Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade? Have you seen that film? There's this amazing temple that's carved into the, the, the rock, and Sean Connery goes in. And he gets stabbed brutally. <laughs> and he's shaved. Saved, that was saved, not shaved. But that was Petra. And, uh, and the Edomites were established in, on a mountain. And the prophet Obadiah comes to them and he says, 
your trust, your faith, your reliance is in the wrong mountain. Your faith is in the land, not the Lord. And as a result, it's not going to end well for you. You mocked God's people when they were being beaten. You've trusted in in the wrong resources and the wrong source. You've trusted in a mountain, and the mountain that you should be trusting is the mountain of the Lord. But your trust is in the land, not the Lord, and therefore your your, um, tribe, your people, your nation will come to an end. And sure enough, the Edomites were wiped out not long after the New Testament was, was written. Their faith was in the wrong mountain. And I want to say this, if we are finding things shaky in our lives, our first question should be, where is my trust? What am I relying on? Who am I relying on? Where really is my security? You know, we can have wobbles, we can have times where things happen and they, and they challenge us and they challenge our beliefs, but, but God wants us to be established in his kingdom. I've shared this story before, but for, for Sarah and I when, I, when I went to Bible school, we had a, a month where um, Sarah finished uh, being a student nurse to work as a nurse, I finished as a physiotherapist, and there was going to be a month of overlap where Sarah's pay was going to kick in, or so I thought, my pay would end and Sarah's money would start. It would be less than normal, but we trusted God. And we expected Sarah's pay to come in of around, or my last pay, sorry, to come in from the hospital of £1,244.63, pence, roughly. <laughs> and um, I was at home on the morning when the, the, my payslip arrived through the door, and I opened it, and my payslip was £45.06. And have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, a bit of a wobble? <laughs> and my stomach flipped. And immediately I'm thinking, council tax, mortgage, electricity, air bills, everything. What, what, where, 1,200 pounds. Where does that come from? And immediately God said, stop it. Who's your source? Is it the NHS, who I was working for, who paid me my 45 pounds, six pence? Or is it me? Ultimately, is it me? And I said, God, it's you. And immediately, there was no answer for me other than, God, I trust you, but I had a peace. I wasn't wobbling anymore. You know, for a while, I think I, my foot was on a wrong mountain, and that was shaking, and God said, where, where are you? Stand firm. Stand in the kingdom. Know that I am your source. I am your provider. Prayed. I said, Lord, you know. Made a cup of tea. And then... Within, within, I think within two hours, Sarah came home, and she said, you're never going to guess what happened. I was at my dad's, and his accountant was there, and he'd, he'd told my dad that um, there was a savings account that he'd set up for us when we were kids uh, that had matured quite nicely, and, and did, we want, did, did we want it now? And I don't think I was supposed to be listening to this conversation, is what Sarah was saying, but, but it kind of all came out while we were chatting. And so um, my dad just gave me, has got 1,200 pounds for us. And I just thought, God, thank you. Yeah. But you know, he's our source. Amen. And if we can stand firm in him, then we really will be unshakable. It doesn't mean that we're not challenged. It doesn't mean that things don't come. But where are we founded? Where are we rooted? Where is our security? Where is our identity? You know, Tim Jones shared on, on the Tuesday night, and he said this, Jesus is absolutely over absolutely everything. I love that. Jesus is absolutely over absolutely everything. Sometimes we tear it, don't we? Certain things that might be, maybe not, we don't sort of write it on a sheet of paper. Sometimes we kind of think, is this going to be too much for Jesus? Is this issue, this diagnosis, this situation? Jesus is absolutely over absolutely everything. 
Why not say that with me? Jesus is absolutely over absolutely everything. So God has seated him in glory, and then he said this, but he's also saved us to join him. It's the word that came this morning through Simon. That we're established in him, and we're here to establish his kingdom. And that we're not only to look to him for what we need, because he, he provides everything that we need, but we're here to meet the needs of the world for Jesus. And he talked about the story of Bartimaeus, who knew where his hope lay, who knew where his security would come from, who knew that if he could just be before Jesus, he would be healed. And sure enough, he was. He was looking for change, but this wasn't money. This was proper, real change. And T, Terence from Cardiff, also from Cardiff, shared on the Saturday night about the kingdom being established in us. And they were to build with eternity in mind, to have an eternal perspective. And that God is moving us from one degree of glory to another. Again, that description of being glorified. And talked about us seeking first the kingdom. You know, sometimes we, we say, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. And actually what we're really after is all the added stuff, not really seeking first the kingdom. If I seek first the kingdom, I'll get that. Okay, great. My focus is on getting that. No. I said, just seek first the kingdom. That's all I'm called you to do. And trust that everything else will be poured in. That we stand firm in that. Todd Pulsiver from Canada and Roger Aubrey did a seminar that I wasn't able to, uh, to go to, I've not heard yet, but they talked again about our identity and our ability to hear God. Isn't that amazing that we can hear God speak? And that emphasis on the prophetic being so important in our Christian lives, this eternal perspective, our understanding of who we are in Christ, that where we put our, our roots and, and where we really put our trust is in the kingdom of God and that we can stand firm. Just listen to these words. It's from the message, Hebrews 12, 28. It says this, Don't you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. Don't you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. We can stand firm in the kingdom of God. And then... The next point is this to them. Once we stand firm and we're unshakable, that we stand up and we're unmissable. I've only ever gone surfing once, I think, and uh, I was so good at it that I just thought, I'm, I've, I've peaked. I'll leave it there. <laughs> but you can't stand up on a surfboard unless you put your feet in the right position. Okay, that's what I learned very quickly. And I still didn't work out where the right position was because I ended up the whole time on my knees. But God wants us to not only sort of stand firm, but then to stand up so that the world sees us and understands what we're about and what we're here for. Micah 4.1 says that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains or the highest. That means a standing up. The church has to stand up. The people of God have to stand up in the world. We are the chief of the mountains. The world needs to know what we stand for. You know, it's far too often... We, we talk about the things that are wrong in the world, but actually what the world needs to hear is, is what we're saying, what God is saying, what is right, how to live, God's ways of doing things. And David and Matthew talked about headship and authority and the need to understand who we are and the authority that we have in Jesus. But the other key reference, if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. This is from the New Living Translation. 
So we've talked about the mountain of the house of the Lord being established as the chief of the mountains, being raised up above all the other hills, and later on the nation streaming to it. That was one key scripture. The other one that came up uh, a couple of times with Matthew, Ling, and with Kerry was this one from Ezekiel 37. So I'm just going to read it, this, this passage. This is a really vivid picture. This is one of those times where you, if you can put yourself in this position, in this place, put yourself in Ezekiel's position. It's a great thing to do as you read the word, to put yourself in the position of the person that's kind of interacting with the Lord. And it says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied. You alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath in you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, I will prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O oh my people, you will know that I'm the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, that I, the Lord, have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. It's a great picture, really vivid image. And Matthew talked about these bones, and he said, you know, they were disconnected and they were dry, but they were, none of them were broken. And he said, you know, in Jesus, one of the prophetic descriptions of Jesus' crucifixion was that no bone in his body would be broken. There's no part of the body of Christ in the world at the moment that is broken. There may be dryness, there may be a spiritual lack, but the, but the body isn't broken. And what the body of Christ needs is the prophetic word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit to come and to flood and to fill, to bring life to what's dry and disconnected may lack life, but it's not broken. The church is not broken. And until we hear of the word of the Lord, we will never know what we're capable of. That's what he said. Until you've heard the word of the Lord, you will never know what you're capable of. So many people will tell you, and you will tell yourself of what you are and are not capable of. Those are the things that don't define us. It's what the word of the Lord says. That defines what we're capable of. 
That's the power of the prophetic word. That's the power of the word of God. The breath of the Spirit. And we spent time on that evening when Matthew shared on the Monday and the the prophetic ministries came and they prophesied over every church leader that was present. And we as David, Chris and I on the stage were prophesied over by a number of prophetic ministries and we'll be playing that video at the Momentum on the Sunday morning so you can, we can all hear together what God is saying to us as a church because the word wasn't just for us as leaders, it was for us as a church family as well. Kerry talked about the bones and he said they were scattered, they were dead, and he talked about death a lot, but that life was to, needed to come into the church and he said they were disconnected. They were collected, but they weren't connected. And God wants us to be connected as his people. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can join us. He wants to join us and fill us. And he talked about how Adam was formed in the dust, that he made Adam, he formed him physically. And God is, is, is happy with structures, but he only wants structures that are full of his life. And Adam was just this, this very beautiful lump of mud, a statue of, of mud in the ground. But when God breathed his life, into him, Adam came alive. It was filled with the breath of God himself. The world is desperate for a church, not just to look at, but to be filled with the life of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God. That when God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle, it was so that he could fill it with himself. That when Solomon built the temple and dedicated it to the Lord, what did God do? The glory of God fell and it was filled with the presence of God. Whatever God forms, he wants to fill. And that form is great and structure is great, but we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A structure that will carry the life of the Spirit. God wants us to speak His Word. If there's any areas of death or any areas in our lives where there's a lack of life, we can prophesy into that area. And we can say, Spirit of God, breathe into this part of my life. Spirit of God, breathe into this community. Spirit of God, breathe into this situation. Breathe into this household. And as we do that, we can speak the word of the Lord in the same way that Ezekiel did. You know, the Holy Spirit loves the word of God. He loves it. It was only when God spoke in creation that the Spirit moved and made it happen. And we're not here to command the Holy Spirit, but as we speak the word of God in situations, the Holy Spirit will move and do what only he can do. We're to stand up and speak the word. For the world to hear the word of God, he said, it's a time for courage. To hear what God is saying and then speak it out. Stand firm, stand up. And lastly, if we do those things, we'll stand out. We'll be unshakable, we'll be unmissable, and we'll be unmistakable. And uh, in Micah 4 verse 1, it says that we'll become supported or raised up above the hills and people will stream to it. And we're to be a glorious people. And Brian talked about just being an Elijah people. And he shared about how Elijah was like a meteor. In, in, in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, we have the introduction of Elijah. All we know about this, at this point is things are dark, okay? Ahab is in charge, King Ahab, who's one of the worst kings in the Bible. He would be, make a great panto villain. <laughs> he and Jezebel are doing an incredible job of doing a lot of damage to the nation of Israel. And what does God do in dark times? He sends a man who's on fire for him. And how much brighter do things burn when it's dark? Sometimes you don't know something's burning until the lights go off and then you see it's on. I left the hob on a little while ago and I realized I left it on when I turned the light off and I saw the light burning. 
We mustn't be afraid of the darkness. We're here to be a light in the world, to burn for the Lord. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains raised above all the other hills to burn for him. And he said, if you want to shine for Jesus, you've got to be on fire. We're an Elijah people, a people who prophetically speak about restoration and separation and how Elijah and John the Baptist, these sort of two parallel prophets, the same, they shared the same wardrobe. They, they shopped at the same um, camel-robed, camel-head-robed store, whatever that is. I think they're opening one up at Foss Park with a leather belt. They, they lived out in the wilds. They were bold and they were brash and they, pro- they, they prophesied to repent and to make a decision. And we are in Elijah. That's what the church is here to do, is to stand up in the world and stand out and say, this is what God says. This is who we are as the people of God. We're going to burn for him. And you may not like it. Not everybody liked what Elijah said. Not everybody liked what John the Baptist said. That's why he lost his head. But it didn't stop them being fervent and being a people on fire for God. That's the purpose of the church is to stand up, stand firm, stand up and stand out that we're an Elijah people. And he talked about how Elijah just arrives. You know, James 5 says Elijah was human just like us. Sometimes we can put him on a pedestal like he's some sort of superhuman. He was just a man with the same flaws and failings and, and challenges that we have, but he burned. He burned for the Lord. He burned with the Holy Spirit came from seeming obscurity to suddenly becoming center stage. He was from the hill country of Tishbe. He was a mountain man. He was unkempt in many ways and unpolished, but he was refined by the fire of God. And he burned with a passion for God. And these times when when fire appears in scriptures, John the Baptist says of Jesus, I baptize in water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When when the, the church... In, in Acts 2, are born with, with the filling of the Holy Spirit. What appears on their head? Tongues of fire. The world is in desperate need for a church that's on fire. When Jesus is moving through the churches in, in Revelation 4, he, they're described as lampstands. These are sources of fire that we burn brightly for Jesus. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29 says, Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's cleansed. God himself is fire. God himself is a consuming fire. If the musicians and singers would come up, just would like us to respond to this. There's one thing that I'd like to to finish on in, in all the things that we've kind of covered off here. But when Elijah is on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal have set up an altar to Baal and, um, and Elijah has some fun with them. And they're trying to call fire down from, from Baal. Um, and remember, this is a, a time of drought, but Elijah says, no, douse it with water. Get, get it so that it's completely filled with water. And he stands up before the people of God and the prophets of Baal have been shouting and chanting and cutting themselves and beating themselves to say, you know, Baal, do something. And nothing happens. Surprise, surprise. Their faith, their trust was in the wrong mountain, in the wrong God, in the wrong source. And then finally, Elijah says to the people of God, before he calls down fire from heaven, he says, how long will you falter between two decisions? How long will you, 
will you be lamed by not being truly established in one place? And Brian talked about three things that can cause us to falter in our trust and not stand firm, not be able to stand up, not be able to stand out. Number one is, is indiscretion. Things in our lives where we know they're not right, attitudes, behaviors, whatever it might be, But you know what? This morning, if there's anything, as you stand, as we stand in worship, you say, Holy Spirit, search me. Search my heart. Search my motives. Search me this morning. Test me and know me. And search out anything in me that that needs to change. I'm ready for it to burn, to be burned up by you this morning. That can be dealt with this morning. Sin can be dealt with this morning. Issues can be dealt with this morning. Indiscretion. Another one was indecision. Sometimes going for it, other times lukewarm or apathetic well this morning is an opportunity to say Lord I want to burn for you I don't have it all buttoned down I, I, I'm not I, I don't know all of the Bible and I don't I've not been to even been to Bible school or anything like that I've, I've only been a Christian for a week or I might have been a Christian for 30 years it doesn't matter you just say Lord I want to burn for you I don't want to be indecisive I want to be all in there's a response for us this morning and lastly this one independence where we say I'm doing this or I'm keeping this part of my life for myself. God wants everything consumed with his fire. Not to burn us up, but to cause us to burn for him so that the world around us sees a church that's standing firm, standing up and standing up. Can we stand together, please? Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you.